everybody, welcome to the DeFi Mafia Podcast. David here, as always, I'm with Mike, uh, Adrian, our resident Chartor. We got Hash, who's been on before, and special guest, Frankie Limon. Frankie, real quick before we get into it, give a quick background on who you are without doxing, please. Uh, real quick, I am a professional shitcoiner, um, developer as well, and also like a tokenomic specialist. I've done a lot of tokenomic works for a few public crypto companies, um, you know, with a lot of the OG Bitcoin tether guys. It was their companies. I'm not going to say who, but leave it at that. Yeah. All right. Thank Frankie you. He's a macro econ expert. He knows more yeah, about Frankie, the world than anyone. Frankie loves sending a random chart from like Germany's housing market and saying, wow, guys, look at this. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool. Like, oh, guys, you know what to do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Germany housing is down. I'm buying oil, guys. Okay, cool. All right, let's get into the show. Um, it's going to be just a, a variety show today. Uh, we're going to start with a little bit of uh, Ethereum V2 merge speculation. Uh, we have different opinions on here on when that's going to happen. I've been seeing a lot of people recently saying that they really think it's going to happen in September. Um, there's the Go Gorelli. Is it that how you pronounce it? Gorelli testnet that... Uh, if all goes smoothly, that should be the last test net, right? And then we can go live. Uh, well, this, this was before all the test net stuff came out. Now I'm not nearly as bearish on the merge as I was then, just because you know for the last two years it was the merge is coming tomorrow and was not there tomorrow. Um, I mean, the only concern I have with the merge at this point is just like, can they actually launch it without critical errors? And the actual Ethereum two, I'm also bearish on their technology, but to merge, I think they can probably get it done if they can get these test nets going. Why okay. are you bearish on the tech? Yeah, why are you bearish? Um, well, so again, I'm, I'm going to caveat this with there's a lot of different information out there on their tech, but from what I've read, their sharding solutions absolute shit. And from what I know from you know working with those early Bitcoin guys who are also early ETH guys. The sharding technology is absolute shit and just does not work the way they implemented it. Um, that's why. Um, and if it does work, it's also super centralized and has like, you know, so sharding how it works is you have like individual shards and then you take, let's say you have 200 validators, only 10 validators of the 200 can validate any shard at any given time, from my understanding. So that's, you know, it's very centralized. <laughs> but isn't the idea that it kind of happens randomly so it's hard to attack it in that sense yeah it does happen randomly and i mean like i mean if, if we're going to shit on definity and internet computer for their non-decentralization i think we should shit on ethereum as well because they had the exact same architecture and they got shitted on for it um so yeah yeah okay and i mean to be fair, the, the merge won't have sharding live yet anyways. Uh, that's going to come later. It's just the switch over to proof of stake. Um, I don't know if they plan on changing or updating their sharding uh, mechanism at all. Because obviously like there's protocols like Near that do sharding already. Um, uh, there's been a lot of advancements because obviously they, I mean, they started working on this in 2017, right? So it's been, it's been yeah. five years in the making. Um, yeah. Okay. 
That's fair enough. Well, so I will also say, like, in crypto, like, I feel like the quality of tech, I mean, like, the tech's great, but, like, the documentation and, and the support around the technology is, is so fucking piss poor. Like, I, I was talking to Mike, I think, about Ethereum 2, and I couldn't find any up-to-date documents on how they're actually building Ethereum 2. Like, everything I found from, like, 2020, and there was so many conflicting reports on what they're actually doing. So I don't know what they're doing anymore. All right, I'll throw it over to Mike. Mike, what are your thoughts on the merch? Uh, super bear, super bullish. Why? I actually, I'm, I'm curious to. You, I was actually gonna ask, like, what do you guys think about um, Lido? Well, okay, so I'm super bullish liquid staking. Um, I like Lido a lot. Obviously, they have like majority market share. Um, the token itself is a use, well, not useless, but governance token basically um, and here's where i'm getting into right with right. the governance Go because ahead. they have the queue right in lido that um so they essentially they could because this, this queue's already backed up so in theory they could pay out the yield uh the people queuing off of their treasury and i'm not as technical enough to speak on this but i think it would make sense where like the mev opportunity on ETH2 could create that incentive where people would want to have Lido token to control the governance of of uh, controlling where that staked ETH is getting allocated to, if that makes sense. Yes. So you think that a bunch of people will be bidding on Lido to be able to vote for like allocating ETH? I think that makes sense, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. That actually, that actually sounds like a pretty good play, to be honest. Because then yeah. Lido would actually have value, right? Because it's like if you wouldn't you want to control where that stake ETH goes? How long is the on uh, on yeah. staking? Like like with with Lido, how do they keep value? Like say a year out from the merch? That's a good question. I mean, like that's they still work. provide liquid staking, right? It's just that right now one of the big advantages is that it's like locked because ETH two isn't out. It, do you think it'll be more or less valuable once ETH two is out? Because obviously the argument is that way more ETH will get staked, right? Like right now. There's a small percentage of ETH staked, and I've seen like. Didn't you say you sent something that was like they think that they could be like eighty percent of all ETH is staked if it's able to be liquid and you can use the ST ETH uh, in the same way that you would use regular ETH. Um, so that'd be interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, personally, I'm pretty bullish merge, especially because I don't think that many people are like paying attention to it. I don't think like I know CT is is like this small little area, but even if you look at like like the when people think it's going to happen some people think it's going to happen in september some people think it won't even happen this year like there's definitely no consensus at all on when eth merge is going to happen um i don't know i just think that it's been something that's been anticipated so fucking long and they're finally doing it and that because you have the liquid staking that you potentially have like uh, uh financial institution uh products that can be made around that like has been discussed by like arthur hayes i kind of agree i think that's what the long-term thing is now if it launches in the middle of like a deep bear market maybe it won't have that much price impact like that's kind of where i'm at i don't know exactly the market conditions i think we're going to dictate a lot of this more than the merge itself but maybe i'll be wrong what do you guys think well Honestly, I kind of agree with you. I mean, last time we talked about this, this was when CT was peak. Oh, my God, merge is coming two months away, you know? And that's when I was like, I think you guys seriously discounted it. 
are seriously under, un, underestimating how long this could take. Um, and that was like, what, two months ago, maybe three months ago, something like that. Yeah, it was supposed um, to be in now, April, right? And then they delayed it again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm much more open to it being a a bullish catalyst versus something that could cause the price to go down based off of you know a failed implementation on launch. Yeah. Hash. So, yeah, I was just going to chime in. Um, I've talked about marriage quite a bit, and I have a a couple quick thoughts that I think sum it up. Um, one is just that if merge goes poorly, it's bad for the entire space. So I think like the easy like risk, like if you want to be risk on crypto going into the merge, the easiest thing to allocate to is ETH because it'll see like either the immediate failure or the immediate success of the merge will be mostly on ETH. Like, so the knock on effect to other things in the ecosystem, I imagine would be just as bad initially to where it's like, you're kind of not really, except for maybe Bitcoin. Right. But like anything that's like a, like ETH, like a one competitor, I imagine is going to like get smacked as hard as ETH does if merge goes poorly. Right. So like <clears throat> the bet is like, okay, the, the most upside is likely ETH or, you know, some L2 on top of ETH or whatever going into merge, right? And the the downside across all everything under ETH and BTC is likely very similar. It's kind of like my easy, like, because the thing first and foremost for me is like, okay, why do we care about the merge as traders is to speculate around the event right and so like i think there are a couple points to be aware of but that's like my initial thought process right and then the secondary concern that a lot of people raise so like uh, just to sum up like merge goes poorly bad for everything under under eth and btc initially even if in the long term which i don't think will happen like i think if eth merge goes bad like crypto is probably just fucked um and i think that's why like it's taken so long i think it's actually like a good thing that it's taken a long time because i think like people are acutely aware that if it goes poorly like it's bad for everything here um I'm going to disagree on that. I think if it goes poorly, I don't. I don't think it's necessarily bad for all crypto. I mean, the merge was most likely going to happen. There's probably going to be Ethereum one and then Ethereum two. Like they're both probably going to exist as separate chains, and they're probably going to give projects the option to merge over or bridge over if they like. So I don't think it's necessarily like cataclysmic for the crypto industry. Well, there's <laughs> no, also a caveat uh, too that like if you eat the merge does go poorly i mean they do have it planned where they would be able to um i believe fork in theory infinite amount of times where it'd be um yeah okay yeah technically but dude can you imagine they forked eth like that would be crazy that's not that's not a very ideal scenario i don't think that's gonna be very good for the price no it won't be very good at all no it won't be but it's, I don't. I don't think it's like, oh, this is like another two years added onto the bear market. Bad. I think it's just a temporary, you know, price shock. Yeah, I guess it depends how how bad 
things go, I guess would be the, the quantifier there. I don't, I don't I, think, I think things the would go terribly for everything bad. Would be, I think the fallout for everything, like, if the merge, like, <clears throat> the thing is, like, the merge going wrong can mean a lot of things, right? The merge going wrong can be, like, a failure to transition versus, like, a loss of, like, funds or, like, something along those lines or a double spend, right? Or, like, you know what I'm saying? So, like, there's a spectrum of, like, oh, here's how wrong the merge went if something goes bad. But I think my inkling is that, like, the initial shock would be negative for everything. Um, And so, like, the easy trade for me is just, like, if you want to be long crypto going to the merge, and if you find macro favorable, ETH is an easy, like, it's the easier bet than taking something else, in my opinion. Because, like... Merge goes well, bearish for L2s. Merge goes poorly, or bearish for all L1s. Merge goes poorly, bearish for all L1s. Like, it's kind of fucking lose-lose for alts. Um, So how are you thinking about positioning going into it then? I think it depends on macro, but I also have the luxury of being able to reacquire my entire ETH position for, you know, a quarter of of the price that I let go of it at roughly so i mean that that helps right because i can kind of look at it from like well fuck i can have all my eth back and still have all this operating capital to do whatever else i need to get done yeah no no i i agree like i the way i've been thinking about it is i guess it depends on two things one if you think that the eth merge is so bullish that it could cause a decorrelation of eth from rest of crypto market um, and two, how how much do you think macro is going to be bad for the next like year? And for I me, also think you have to be like you have to consider the potential that on unlock there are going to be people that want to trickle out. I know it's like not. Um, yeah, that's going to take a while like, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, East, East locked for like a year, right, man? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, on so, macro though, I mean the fact that the yield could be getting. You know the, the percentage of time I've seen anywhere from the range of like four percent to like thirteen or sixteen percent. I think the thirteen is really high. I think most likely it's going to be something like a six. I would guess. Yeah. Around so there. yeah, that makes sense. I, Frankie, what do you? So, I mean, what do you think about this? When did, when did the staking begin? Sorry. Like when did the whole staking Probably. begin? Um, it was like around like two like it was between three and six hundred dollars. For like that's a ballpark price range, that was a price range. Okay, so we're pretty yeah, much yeah, still yeah. like two x up from there. But the ma- yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but the majority of ETH that is staked uh, was purchased higher. I'm pretty sure because um, I think yeah. I think they they I they I've seen charts on like when or at least the price at which most people stake their ETH. I think the majority of people stake their ETH like above a thousand dollars basically. So those people are either at break even or at a loss from staking. I mean that factor is not that's not gonna be a factor for the price for a while though. Yeah. Right, I, but I would it also is part of the merge. But I think like I don't know. Go ahead, David, sorry. Oh I no, I was just gonna say I would also say step on anybody. No, no, you're good. You're good. I'll throw it back in a sec. I was just gonna say on on that point specifically, I think the majority of people who are staking their ETH knowing that like, oh, I don't know how long it's going to be staked. 
those type of people are like very bullish ETH. They're probably hodlers for the most part, I would say. Yeah, we've talked about that like yeah. quite a bit before. And I, I was getting like to that point eventually. But yeah. Anyhow, like I think it's complicated, but like the fucking left curve thing for me is like, well, if I'm feeling like I want to be risk on, that's the easiest bet during that time frame. I think the like honestly, my ideal scenario is ETH is cheap during the merge and fucking doesn't move up immediately on the news. And we get to just like kind of see like sub a thousand how shit goes without like this immediate break in price in either direction. But that's like super idealistic. I I think that's how the merge like plays out if it's like successful like i don't think price is gonna have immediate you know 50 percent move over the next like month or so i think it'd be like a slow play out of the tokenomics and demand coming back well yeah, this well, is the full board is gonna be looking at the they'll, they'll probably be looking at i mean a lot of statistics a lot of stuff and then ultrasound money just looking at the issuance versus high growth right like you yeah. seeing if i mean if it's actually deflationary working i mean it doesn't really seem i mean it seems like Pretty decent play. Um, the second part of that, Frank, I, I guess I was going to ask was about people looking for yield, um, just like across the entire market. How do you do? You think that that plays anything? In oh yeah, for sure. for sure, for sure, for sure. Not mean, just I crypto think... market specifically. In, in trade from trade five markets. Yeah, everything. Because like, say like the ETH merge, like post ETH merge you can get a yield of whatever that's higher than any like bonds or whatever. I don't like, I think for sure, just because ETH and Bitcoin are like the only two crypto most institutions can invest in just due to liquidity concerns, um, liquidity concerns, regulation concerns, stuff like that. So, I mean, if Ethereum it's successful, and yield is like higher than the bond. I think you can definitely see some trade fi investors flowing into that. What do you think about the scenario where? Because this happens in September. What did they say? September nineteenth, I think, is one of the dates that's been floated around. Yeah. So, like, if this happens in September, late September, going into October, um, there's. What do you guys think the odds of a or the probability of a like a midterms pump for all markets happening? Uh, well, so I I don't know if you saw did you see, you know that guy Harold Harold Mam- Mammal Green or whatever that guy always send the old man. No, I don't. Anyways, think so. maybe. So he so he he he's very well connected to the the DC political scene. He was like presidential advisor for like eight different presidents in a row. Anyways, he he tweeted out that that from his sources that Yellen was trying to push the Dixie higher. This was like back in like March. Yellen's trying to push the Dixie higher like 110 120 area to break things overseas and quickly so that way they can get another stimulus out for midterms because democrats are currently getting crushed and they're going to need something you know i mean going from inflation to recession that does not bode well for any political party's election chances so i I think they're going to try and break things quickly so they can turn the back around quickly Right. That would be the trade that I think would be the the best possible scenario for ETH would be things go really well. It happens in like late September. We go into a midterm pump and you have like all these narrative, uh, you know, 
backwinds or whatever, you know what I'm saying, uh, pushing it forward. Uh, that would be the optimistic scenario. The, the pessimistic for me is just like, yeah, if that doesn't happen and we don't get a, a trad fight pump, I think the odds of an ETH decorrelation to the upside is pretty low in my opinion. We'll probably get a pump before the merge, just like everything. And then the merge happens yeah. and people be forced to take profit because, you know, they have to. And, you know, like there is a lot of hodlers, but at the same time, there's a lot of institutions that are holding quite a bit of E. So, I mean, I'm going to treat it about the same. Pump it before any kind of news and broadcast that it's going to happen. And, and then it's going to dump and then it'll probably recover really well. Yeah. All right. So, well, I think that's I'm, enough. I'm all, uh, I'm all, yeah. I'm no, no. I mean, I do, I wouldn't. Straight up, yeah. For for me, it's I I it's a trade. It's not like a accumulation right. thing for me. Um, I'll probably accumulate next year, not this year, just because I think things are going to keep going back down. Um, okay, let's move on from merch. We talked about that a good amount. Let's talk about some alts. Um, there's been some strength in some of these alts. Particularly, the big one I would say is GMX has been doing really, really, really well. Uh, I'm not sure who here has like opinions on GMX, but I think honestly, it's going to be one of the ones that is really at the top of my list for next cycle as far as accumulation. Because the crazy thing is, this thing is not even down that much. Like right now, let me put the chart for the same prices we first found it last yeah, year. Yeah, we, we first, it's funny, as like we first bought it like yeah 27 bucks or something like i think it was october last year and it's july this year how many tokens are not first of all just the same price but not down like basically 50 percent at least from where they were october last year i mean there's got to be very few and gmx is is up so that's kind of impressive um and they like generate real fees they make money which i like go ahead no i mean yeah they're 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 great for that i mean that was the thing about like fucking um like when they launched like they launched like what november december and end of the bull run most coins that launched then are down like 99 percent or some dumb shit you know because <laughs> they have the full you know um vesting schedule that, that's coming a lot in the bear you know so yeah. the nice thing about gmx is the tokenomics are actually very favorable for it as opposed to most uh most coins like the the fully diluted i think like the max supply i'm looking right now 7.8 million current supply, 13 million total. So we're more than halfway unlocked. So the TVL is 260 million. They're generating $160,000 in fees a day. And that's in a bear market. That's pretty decent. Like comparison, Ave is making 290,000 in fees a day, right? So they're they're half of Ave just about uh, versus what's Ave's uh, market cap right now. Let me go take it real quick. Ave is at 1.2 billion and GMX is at 200 million. So if you obviously it's not an exact comparison, they generate fees in different ways. But just based off of that, GMX in theory, if it was the same uh, fee to market cap ratio, they should be like what, like 600 million, and they're at like 230. So honestly, that's, I'm, I'm impressed that how sticky the revenue's been. I mean, me too. The little bear and the revenue's barely gone down. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's a it's actually pretty good. Like they had trouble in the beginning because they didn't have enough liquidity. Uh, but you know, I mean, that's everybody has that problem when they launch. Um, but they seem pretty sticky. I think a lot of smart money is really into GMX. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, it's, I was just gonna say it's like fucking Fight Club, bro. The first rule is you don't fucking talk about GMX. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, for the, for the good of the podcast listeners, we have to. But I mean, if you, dude, the last thirty days, this thing has doubled its price, you know. And I, I know it's been like a good last few weeks for some alts, but still, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, just the fact that it's basically thirty dollars right now, and you know, I think basically it was like $40 in April before the terror crash. So it's only down like 25% from like the massive collapse that we've had over the last few months. So I think that, that kind of tells the strength of it. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely be, I'm just hoping honestly, cause I don't have any position right now. Like I want it to, to go back down and I, I think it will, but I, I like that it's showing a lot of strength. Any alts that you guys like right now that you're watching? Uh, like strength wise. Um, Strength or just like if you're looking to accumulate over the bear at low prices, either way. Oh, uh, I have a little list. Let me see. What yeah, I let's, list. let's pull out the list. For me, I wrote down a few just list. before. We'll, we can get into these later. I have GMX, Frax shares. Frax has Frax Lend, which we can talk about a little bit. It's pretty interesting. Not a lot of people talk about it. Ave, Ave just launched their stable coin. Really fucking bullish. Uh, wrote about that in our newsletter a little bit, but. Go ahead. Let's hear your list. Um, I don't know how much I just want to talk about. That. <laughs> I'll give talk us, about what you got. Couple, no one All right. Um, I mean, I've got Maple Finance. Maple, Maple Finance. That's another one. Story. Yeah, that's on my I list too. Maple. Yeah, I, I love Maple. Like that's that's what I, what, what I like to see out DeFi. Um, what What do you like about them specifically? What attracts you to them? Uh, well, I mean, I think I've talked about this with you guys before, like, privately, like, like, over-collateralized lending is, like, cool, and, like, it's a good way to handle credit risk when you don't know who the counterparty is, um, but it doesn't actually generate value, because at the end of the day, it's very capital inefficient, and you end up, I mean, it's literally over-collateralization, you're not really creating any value like when in the monetary system and in, in trade five um money slash value is created when banks lend out shit under collateralized that's how money slash value is created and now credit you know right. yeah credit right credit yeah. um and now not all the credit will turn into value some of the credit will just disappear because it was bad value right so so to speak but the, the stuff that do stick around like the loans to apple in back in 1980 that created value, right? Um, Maple kind of finally unlocks under collateralized lending in DeFi, which I think it's could be pretty game changing. I mean, it maybe would be helpful in, in, in getting a lot of smaller products funding, possibly. You know, I mean, once they start expanding to more smaller loan sizes, right now I think they're only doing like institutional loans. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, like, and then plus too, like, the whole three AC thing that happened is what they did is they went to everybody and said, "Oh, I have." They went to one person and said, "Hey, I have ten dollars. Let me borrow five. And then they went to the next guy and said, "Hey, I have fifteen. Let me borrow ten. And they did that on and on, and no one knew about it because you know industry practice is you don't speak about who you're loaning to because that's your customer, right? You don't give away your your alpha. Um, Maple would kind of solve that issue by, sorry, um, Maple would solve that issue 
by allowing um, all creditors to kind of, I mean, they use ZK Snarks to hide identities, but you can see how much a particular entity slash person has borrowed. So you no longer have to quite worry about, am I being lied to? Are they, you know, pulling a 3AC on me? Right. Have you looked at, um, like, any of the other uh, under-collateralized lenders? Like Goldfinch or, uh, what's the other one? TrueFi is another one. I wasn't aware of any others. I just know Maple. That's cause yeah, Maple is doing is the biggest, I believe. Um, and they're doing two, like you said, like institutions. And I, I, I think they will expand beyond that too. Um, but like Goldfinch yeah. is interesting because they do emerging market loans. So they do like to businesses in emerging markets. Um, which is obviously higher risk, but I think it's it's a market that like they're clearly going after because obviously in you know if they're they're doing loans in like Africa in in certain parts of Asia Latin America where uh, you know it's just not as easy to get credit basically uh, they don't have as sophisticated credit markets as we do in the West so it's interesting that they're doing that I think I think that that's that's a real opportunity that's like kind of very DeFi ethos right it's like banking the unbanked type of thing uh, so I like Goldfinch and TrueFi is doing. Uh, they connect to KYC actually, and they're trying to do like consumer loans, I believe. Uh, maybe yeah. is it consumer the, loans? I forget. But yeah, the one thing I'll say about what, what was it called, Goldfinch? Yeah, the one thing I'll say about them is like, yeah, banking on bank is cool, but it's really fucking hard. Like so many companies have tried to. to it go it out is hard. And, yeah. yeah. Like just just getting people to use it, you know, like their their culture on on loans and credit is so much. Uh, but I, I guess yeah. the counter would just be if it's ever going to happen, I think a DeFi application is what's going to make it happen, right? 100%, yeah. And so will they make it happen or not? I don't know. But, you know, they, they offer decent rates. Like I'm looking on their site right now. They offer 17% on USDC to like different Latin America asset backed multi-sector loans, you know, like the other, the other, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. The other pushback I would give is just that like, a lot of times emerging markets have an easy time jumping over technology. So like an example that's pretty much overused at this point is like a lot of places in Africa, they never had phone lines or like, uh, like a, a cabled phone system. But as soon mm -hmm. as cells were out, they like everybody had cells, right? right? Not immediately, but basically they, they, they skip levels of technology that we go through in in developing countries a lot of right time. i just wanted to interject that too, yeah so. that would be the argument yeah. for DeFi, right like they'll never even have regular banking they might skip just straight to DeFi, which would be pretty incredible if that happened yeah i mean like like i will have agree and i think that's probably where you know most uncollateralized people or lenders will come in um I'm just concerned about their focus on like emerging market businesses. You know, I mean, like that's a much more untax savvy, untax savvy. They're place. doing more than that. I think that that was kind of like a that was an example, a low hanging fruit for them to go after. But they're doing more than just okay. emerging market. But yeah, okay, then yeah, not nearly as bad. I thought that was like their main only thing that they're doing. Right at the moment, yes, but I'm sure they'll expand. I, I I think it makes sense from a strategy standpoint, just because in the like if they wanted to launch in the U.S., well, first of all, I mean there's a ton of regu regulation issues, but on top of that, like 
if you're a U.S. business, you have tons of places you can get credit. If you're a Latin American business, you have way less, right? So that's probably why they did it. Um, yeah, it's also a good talking point and maybe just a lost leader for them. That's very you know, fair, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. All right, what else you got on your list? Let's hear it. Just give us oh, one more. Uh, I forgot I was doing that. <laughs> uh, let's see, let's see. All right, so I have a layer one, and I have two gaming-related stuff slash social tokens. You what do you guys pick? want? Yeah, let's, pick. Let's, what do you, what do you, let's take a, a, a straw poll real quick. Layer one or GameFi? What do you guys prefer? I'll go layer one. Yeah, I'm in for layer one. They yeah, won. just only because I want to know because you're so bearish ETH what you actually yeah. like. Let's hear it. <laughs> Give me red coin. All right. Well, so this this is this is more of a more of a tokenomics play than than I I really love their tech. Their tech's pretty basic. Um, it's it's DAG. Um, DAG. Okay. I think you guys know DAG. Yeah. 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 Um, Constellation. Mm-hmm. I just I just fucking love their tokenomics, and I think the why? What about them? Um, off the top of my head, I can't even fucking remember. I just, so <laughs> how I operate is I'll I'll. I, I love their tokenomics. I can't remember why though. <laughs> yeah, how I operate is like I'll read up on shit and then I'll kind of just like make a mental note that I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I, but know I won't you like mean. remember. Know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. damn, I'm gonna have to come back to that. That's actually a really good question. But I I, I think pretty much how it works is is like their the way that they, they structure their transactions is they kind of just stripped it down to not having any specific format but just reading it at all as just data if that makes sense and, and um this is actually a project i've had a hard time explaining in the past um and so if you're a validator on the network every piece of data that that gets validated by you you get a pretty hefty reward from it um, and reason why I actually think that the tokenomics could be useful is because they have, um, you know, they have a lot of enterprise partners, which doesn't really mean much, but they have a very serious and ongoing project with the Department of Defense. Um, mm-hmm. and they're launched, they've launched this thing called the Department of Defense have launched this like interoperability network for all their military bases because currently none of their networks communicate. It's called JAG D two, something like that. Like J A C D two. Mm-hmm. Um and DAG is the solution provider on that. They've been working on that since like twenty eighteen. You know, they've been providing they're really good about providing updates and stuff like that on it. And you know, they were even featured on the DOD website as that as well. Like they're pretty legit on that front, which is why I'm excited about it. They're like a because they 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 are like a layer zero for enterprise blockchain in a sense, right? Um, they're they're a they're a layer zero for for data. I wouldn't call them a layer zero for 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 blockchains, and I and I say that because the way they structure the architecture, it's not. Oh, plug in this blockchain, plug in this blockchain, and plug in this legacy system, and you're good to go. It's more so like they kind of just standardize all data that they get, and then from there they're able to 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 just mix and match them, whatever it may be. And data, you know, it could be a transaction hash, or it could be an address, or 
you know, that that's all they list. They just so, it's so, just like a standardized encryption threat, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So that they can transmit it. Is that like, yes? I, I I'm asking. I'm not. I don't. No. Yes. Don't no. Know that, that's that. exactly it. You got it. You got it. Fucking that. That's okay. exactly what they're doing with the DODs. Like the, like I said, all the different military branches have their own networks, and all their networks are built for their own specific purpose. Um, right. And so they have a hard time communicating with each other. And so that's kind right. of where DAG comes in. They kind of just say, okay, here's all this data. This network needs this. This network needs this. And we can kind of, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I also, I also believe that it's token needed. So. Yes. Yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping we see a pickup of transactions before I actually play this. But I'm willing yeah. to gamble on it. Too. I'm always, I'm always wait, skeptical. I gotta... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I have a little <laughs> lag again. That I, I just, I, I gotta ask you for another one though, just because you didn't, you didn't give what L1 you're bullish on as a competitor to eat, um, which is, oh, I think, what question. It's, it's, and it's not what we were asking, and I think that, yeah. Yeah, maybe there's a tokenomics play there. Maybe there's not. I'm not sure, but um, I did. Whenever we're ready to move on from DAG, I did want to know what L1 you're bullish on, be it AVAX, Solana, Cosmos, or something of the like. Maybe it's Cardano. Yeah, I mean, are you guys good on DAG, or do you guys want to keep touching on that? Yeah, I mean, my only thing, I'm always skeptical on, like, government, enterprise-related projects because I've seen so many of those go to zero. But no, DAG's been around for a while. I'm looking right now. They're at 180 mil market cap. Fully diluted. It's like 270. That's not terrible. You know, if it keeps going down for a little bit, you know, you get it cheap. I'm sure this thing could definitely get a nice pump. So, yeah. yeah I was going to say, the very worst is a pump. You know, like yeah. if, if I get a pump out of it, I don't really care. You know. Yeah. Um, which I think will happen. But uh, who was going to say? Lair ones, I've changed my mind on those. My, my thinking on them a lot about what I think is important for them and what I think is actually necessary. I've kind of adopted Hash's approach a little bit more where tech doesn't quite matter as much as it nearly used to. Um, I think what really matters for L1 to be successful and to have large adoption is to have a strong developer community and have a strong develop and to build that they need strong developer support and other stuff like that you know like a lot of projects like working now as a developer trying to pick an l1 a lot of projects just have no like um so in, in like traditional pro in traditional software world like let's say microsoft if you want to build on xbox they'll have like a like a a devops a library team. and everything right well, no, they'll have a oh, DevOps, DevOps. They'll have okay, a full okay, team. Okay. Yeah, they have a full team to, to tell you best practices, worst practices, do this, do yeah. that. If you have any questions, you can ask them. There's none of that in crypto. And so I think what a lot of projects suffer from, like Avalanche, for example, right? They don't have a DevOps team. And you notice Avalanche has three chains. And only EVM has, has any adoption because Avalanche hasn't actually provided any support or documentation on cool stuff they can do with the uh, I think it's called AVM Av Avalanche Virtual Machine or whatever I don't know what it's called but mm -hmm. I, think it's, I think it's the, the main chain um, 
so yeah, so to 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 give a long story short, Solana I'm pretty bullish on not as an EVE competitor, just just as a L1. Um uh, Matic, Polygon I'm actually pretty bullish on just because of their biz dev and how much traction they seem to be getting. Mm-hmm. Um But they'll be like an L two basically. No, like, I know. Yeah, like, I mean, Polygon's not gonna be standalone. So I'll get I'll no, take well, Solana as an Polygon... EVE competitor. Uh, Polygon is going to be like a mixture of things, probably. I love Avax can... Tech. Don't get me wrong, but I don't even. I, I don't even see Polygon as L one. I just see it as a play on zk infrastructure. If you want to get exposure yeah, to any agree. every single language, I can I say controversial though. I don't even really see Solana as L one. I see them as inevitably being like an L two, in their own way. Well, yeah, I mean that's the whole thing with volitions, right? It's like it. It's like because everyone's thinking an L one versus L one mindset when multi-year down the road it's going to be more like okay the whole everything's modular which of these l1s and accrue value at exactly uh, yeah so but wait i'm walking frankie through a thought process i want to know <laughs> all right go ahead <laughs> yeah. all right i'm i'm still i'm he's got still his, not clear he's got his fish in a reel <laughs> real yeah, yeah baby fucking, yeah <laughs> Yeah. Take, take me up? to Pleasure Town. Tell me you're bullish on Kadena over fucking Ethereum. I'm not, I'm de- that's what I'm no, really I'm getting at. Like, what okay. do you, what do you, what do you put up as a serious contender? I guess is the question. To dethrone Ethereum. That's what we're going. Yeah, with? yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. I mean, honestly, like we're talking flipping it, like price wise flipping it. No, or, it could be it, market cap. Let's Probably. go. What about like TVL as far as people fucking using it and DApps and all? Yeah, I think it can be like any any other metric that is like a, there's a couple of them that it flips. Like I would okay, say so yeah, if, if something flipped Solana, like three Solana. metrics, okay. Solana. Yeah, I, I'll give yeah, you that. Solana. I like yeah, Solana, I mean, Solana just because it's not a fucking EVM. Right, like yeah. I'm just like sick of fucking EVMs at this point. It just seems so tired. Yeah, and their ecosystem has has gotten really fucking good over the spare market. Like it's it's so good now. I like it far more than I did earlier. Dude, earlier. Solana DeFi does not get enough credit. They got shit on because rightly so, because the tokenomics were so bad during the bull yeah. market. But a lot SBF of the new stuff is is really good. They have really good DeFi stuff that you can't do on ETH uh, because of the 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 lack of scaling issues, or yeah, because of the scaling issues. Um, yeah, okay. Solana. All right. Yeah, and they're um, also, they just need, to, they just need to keep it turned up. on, right? They just need to keep yeah. it turned on, right? Well, so I, will I think say they will, though. They pushed the update. They pushed mm-hmm. a, a latest update to validators, and the amount of times the chain has gone down since then, slash desync since then, has been, has been pretty fucking impressive. I mean, I think it went from like. <laughs> That's like so to like shitty to say, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, look. I, I get the perspective you're coming from, but I think as long as the market doesn't matter, doesn't care and developers don't care, I don't think chain like chain downtime that matters at all. Like I- to be fair, if I was gonna defend Solana versus like EVMs, EVMs are just that they're fucking EVMs, right? Yeah, Solana's yeah, yeah. trying to build their own whole new thing, right? Totally, so like, which is why I like the trade, right? Which yeah. is why I agree. Like. So it's when you a, see EVM a, chains talking shit on Solana, it's like, okay, bro, let's go see you fucking get 
the millions of users that Solana has not on an EVM chain, right? Like yeah, that's exactly. kind of the thing. Yeah. I totally. I, agree I mean, with what? That. I mean, I don't understand why you guys are a cup on the EVM, and I mean, like for for from my perspective, like fucking what really, whatever the best. No, I'm you use, I'm not anti EVM. It, like like I think zk yeah. EVMs are gonna be big. Honestly, they're gonna be huge. Yeah, I I think the real innovation that's happening with blockchains is one. You know, you have you you can have your own specific chain with your own gas fee setup you want to use and you can use evm and that way people can come and you don't have to rebuild an entire virtual machine and then two i think it's the the cool niche features that are added to blockchains that are where value is added you know like on there's a blockchain called ultra and they they have a lot of really good tools for the nfts to allow you to do stuff for video games like yeah um, so Frankie, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think the reason that we constantly bring up, like, is it EVM or, like, is not to infer that something's a copy, but I think that, like, everything running EVM not only infers Ethereum supremacy in a way, but, like, it also, like, just reinforces the idea that, like, nobody's really spun up something that's, like, better competition and that's why i think that like solana or, or or a better way to implement what we're looking to do sorry not better competition i have to be yeah. careful like how i talk about it but you get what i'm saying right it'd be like yeah, if i, I said you. like if i was like yo fucking meters versus like feet meters sucks and it'd be yeah, like well suck, everybody uses fucking meters and it'd be yeah. like nah but like feet is way sicker but it kind of, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Listen, this is an yeah. America first podcast. The standard uh, measurement system is, is far superior to meters. I don't give a fuck that yeah, the rest okay. of the world uses, okay? If I want to know how big it, something is, it's the size of my foot, dog. That's it. Yeah, I, I'm I know. really happy for, for your patriotism. But the, the point <laughs> that I'm trying to make is that it's reinforcing of this idea that like, Ethereum is the thing that everybody forked to make their thing, be it all like basically it's just everything that is an EVM in a lot of people's eyes that is an Ethereum is just some compromise of the trilemma, right? Is yeah. like kind of the fucking inference. And so it's like not well, yeah, to say I don't that think like, any there isn't a comp sorry. Mm -hmm. no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I don't think any any, any change is gonna do better at what Ethereum does. Ethereum is probably the most secure secure EVM. I don't think any change is gonna do that better. I mean, and that's the one caveat I'm gonna put is that is that's current Ethereum, not ETH two. That's remained to be seen. But yeah, currently, like no EVM will will be as secure as ETH. That's okay in my opinion, because Ethereum is expensive and slow, and other chains have their own benefits and that's where a lot of pain points are like you, you you guys remember last last bull market i think march right before the crash you had all these projects like oh we were gonna deploy an ethereum but we can't because we can't afford the fucking fees so now we have to totally. go find another yeah but i mean i give you those that's i get your argument it's shorter term on like a you know right now type of present issue I think if you're if you believe that ETH security is the top dog in the entire market and 
for the foreseeable future, that's going to be the case. The ecosystem around it where you can derive this, derive the security from Ethereum and still get all the benefits that all these alt L1s have been basically pitching and marketing the past year. I mean, what, what's the what's the value prop of going there minus them having the incentive program? The, the well, other I, thing I, I would I, add real quick is that like when when David Gill had a Mango Markets loan open and Solana's price was crashing at the same time as the network being down, it wasn't super <laughs> fun to be on like these other cheap chains. Right. And that does not yeah. like that's not always the case, but like that's kind of like to me, the compromise of like, do you want access to your money all the time on a blockchain versus like, do you want it to be cheap? I'd rather have access all the time. I'd rather pay to push a I mean, transaction. That's not even like, an issue anymore like, with Ethereum. That's the thing. You can go on our well, I mean, and not pay pretty much no gas fees. Totally. Right, but things, I'm saying. Things. Even if even if it was only ETH L1, right? You tell me, I have $100,000 on two chains. One of them goes down sometimes. Which one do I feel more comfortable with? Oh, yeah, on? yeah. Okay, I agree. Right? Yeah. Or even, even an RPC issue, right? Because an RPC issue can be crippling for a lot of people. Like Carmen. So, so, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, on this one, though. On this one, though. Imagine everybody when the when everything's crashing. I mean, we've talked about this before. When everybody's transactions were failing, I mean, we, yeah, we were talking about a, cer a certain player that lost like a hundred grand in a few failed transactions. I mean, dude, that's kind of that's kind of the network halting all, almost, man. I, True. Yeah, that's I mean, but like thing. you go back to Eve early days. Eve halted. Eve Eve went down a few times. I mean, that's just a life cycle development right. you know yeah. well, right i mean also but, though but, like, but ethereum the... never anticipated the massive influx of nfts this was something that was not foreseen in this time frame and the, i'm not even talking about mt that i'm, I'm talking like 2014, about 2015 yeah, sorry i, I yeah, think this, what, uh, go ahead go the ahead. stuff that i'm talking about michael is that's when everybody went it was a DeFi summer so the nfts weren't weren't a thing so like when everybody like clogged the network trying to get out of whatever position of line Dude, it was a fuck show. It did in May. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and the, and answer to that again is okay. Well, now we have roll ups and we have L twos. Where it's not going to be that type of stuff is not going to be as an issue if if an issue. Right. At all. Like the, the argument that I think Mike's trying to make is just like okay, let's say that you know, like we just had Aztec on the podcast. This will probably come up. I'm not sure if this will be up before or after, but anyways. Um, like they are doing ZK rollups for ETH, and like obviously we, we, I had Starknet on my list of things to talk about. Like there's a bunch of stuff, Polygon doing all this stuff. The question is like, okay, if all of these rollups do work really well, Arbitrum, ZKs, whatever, and you can get the ETH security, why would you still try to go to like uh, Avalanche or a Phantom or something like that? And now privacy, yeah, and privacy. Uh, I mean, with, with Aztec, yeah, but, yeah, with Aztec, yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, so technically speaking, you have the same security as EFL one, but I mean, you really look at it from bar. Well, not if you're you have... no, because Avalanche doesn't settle back to ethel one; it settles to Avalanche. Oh no, I'm sorry. I thought you. Were I'm sorry. I, I missed a conversation. My bad. He's saying that. basically, <laughs> if like all the ethl two scaling stuff does work, which it looks like it will, but like let's say it does, mm -hmm. why do you need like other EBM chains? Basically. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I I think ethl twos 
have their own security risk that are separate from Ethereum. I mean, you the your you money you'll never lose your risk. money though. But I mean, it's possible. Yeah, you have smart contracts risk. You have validator risk. You have. I mean, but you, just you have, have that like, on any. I mean, you would risk. have that on Phantom too, right? Like, so like like I guess the question is like if eth has really good scalability why would you use another evm chain versus just using an l2 it's kind of the main question well isn't the well the smart contract risk, that's every chain but isn't the validator risk even if the validators on l2 faults you're still able to get your money back even if the validators are faulted well so we're going to talk about validator risk we got to talk about uh how validators are going to work on some like avalanches like validator set system for these subnets is like it's terrible the most unsecure I mean, element it's... all of them yeah no no i'm serious it, it <laughs> no, really it's... is like dude like do you get there's that there's that uh app chain infrastructure article that jump wrote i mean they literally go through it i mean they're one of the most unsecure yeah no right, i and... mean i don't i don't go disagree on, on that i i think their main issue with that is that the amount that it takes to become a validator is so fucking expensive like i think even now it's still like 100k to become a validator which i mean that's for 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 validator for subnets to work with a, with the sub subset of validators you're going to need like hundreds and thousands of validators which their consensus can do i think the reason why they maybe haven't done it is just due to the security risk of like someone just well, I guess actually no. I actually don't know why they haven't done it. I really don't know. Why. Well, they don't have shared that's security with the, that's the thing with their stuff. They don't have shared security. The messaging between the the subnets, I don't believe it's as I think it's pretty limited. That's kind of the value prop of Cosmos. Yeah. There's so there's shared security back to Avalanche like the mainnet, but there is not yeah. shared security between subnets. And the problem is yes. Like for me, right, as my, my question that I've asked some people at Avalanche that they haven't really answered is that, okay, Avalanche talks about having thousands of subnets at some point uh, to mm -hmm. consider something like actually decentralized. Uh, the magic number tends to be like 10,000 validators is roughly like what you would consider like actually decentralized. So 10,000 times a thousand, that's a lot of validators. That's 10 million validators. Are they going to have 10 million validators? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't disagree with that criticism. I mean, like, I when I found out how they actually implemented subnets, I was like, oh, that's not nearly as impressive as I thought. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's still cool. I mean, if, even they can get hundreds. I mean, that's a pump. I mean, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I guess it, there's two different questions, right? Obviously, pump, very different question. Yeah, lots of shit will probably pump that's bad. We've seen that. But like, I guess <laughs> like we were talking like security, like on a ZK, like I actually think a ZK roll up is probably the best security you could have. The, they use provers, right? And the provers are using, I mean, these are like, like this is like the latest and greatest in fucking cryptography, you know, like they are using the most advanced shit. Like ZK Starks is like what, like five years old, right? So if you're on, a, on something that's using ZK Starks, like that's like the, the best cryptography you could possibly use. You know, yeah. it's the main argument against ZK is because the math, the math actually, you, the math you need to know to actually like build these things is so complex that, yeah. I mean, that, that you get the security from it. But that, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, think I, I can't speak on ZK Snart. I was, I, I'm not too familiar with them. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Um, we're almost we're over an hour now. Any other like 
alts that you guys wanted to talk about. We'll move on from Frank. Yeah, what's on your guys' list? Yeah, I want to hear. Let's go to Mike. Mike, I already kind of know your alts, but let's hear him. <laughs> um, Oligon's number one. Number two, probably GMX. Okay. Number three, either I'm with you on the under collateralized with Maple. I'd say put I'd put your maybe even chain link on there. And then yeah. I mean I don't know. I, I kinda wanna just pick like four or five things. Those are probably in there. And then I just wanna keep like I'm probably gonna I wanna pick up a good amount of Ethereum and have like majority of my portfolio, majority of it be ETH, like twenty five percent be Bitcoin, and then the rest spread out between those four, and then just like have like fifteen to ten percent to play uh, ecosystems with. I want to have maybe more because I want to pick up a lot of L two tokens, um, like Arbitrum. I think Optimism honestly might be a good play down the road, and then. Yeah, so that covers like pretty much every sector. I still need something for NFT exposure, and I think Immutable X might be a deep play. I've not looked into their X. tokenomics. Mm-hmm. I like but... Immutable X. I think they have a big vesting schedule, though. Yeah, I haven't that. looked at their tokenomics. I, I, I haven't done a deep dive on Immutable X. It's on my list. But the biggest thing that I like is that if they really are going to be able to partner with like big uh, like companies and onboard shit, like onboarding, I think people underestimate how big of a deal it is to onboard new users into crypto. Like that's like one of the biggest mm-hmm. hurdles. That's why like Solana's bullish, right? Because Solana was really one of the only besides ETH like chains that was able to actually get a bunch of new people in to it with like NFTs and step in and stuff. So if Immutable X is actually going to be able to do that, that can have a certain amount of stickiness that makes me kind of yeah. bullish. I mean, and they, and they probably will eventually hit on something, right? Because, I mean, I'm not sure if you've ever heard them talk, but they work with pretty much every major gaming studio and they listen, have calls with them, talk, hearing exactly how they're thinking about the space, what they're thinking about building. And then they go back with their team and like, okay, like how can we shape our product to be conducive to that? So I think it's only a matter of time before they hit on something. Right. I mean, the GameStop partnership is not nothing. Like, I mean, I know GameStop's a meme, but like if a bunch of people actually do use GameStop's NFT platform and they all onboard into Immutable X, like that's pretty bullish. Yeah. I mean, Jack mentioned it too. Uh, I think we talked about it on the pod that longer term, it could just be, you know, not just what we see on it today, but real world gaming licenses in the marketplace. I mean, that's mm-hmm. really cool. Um, I guess what's for you guys on the nft sector what would you guys pick up outside like what do you guys what would you guys be interested in getting nft exposure like to that sector of the market Mal-ladies. okay well not, not oh. NFTs exactly <laughs> like the point that's um, the NFT. underrated one is yeah, probably yeah. omi i love omi so much that's like one of my omi. favorite projects Who's that uh, ecomi um you guys is. don't know ecom you, know, you guys know vivi right the app no. Oh yeah, yeah. This is that old one you sent, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I think it's Vive, uh, Vive or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, V E V E. For so for those yeah. who don't know, um, Ecomi slash VV, um, they they are an NFT company that has a lot of so they, they have like their own NFT marketplace and they have a lot of licenses for like established brands like 
they have uh, Star Trek, they have Marvel, they have DC, they have like a bunch of big names, Cartoon Network. And um, I mean, their, their team's really fucking impressive. One of, one of their, uh, I think it's like, a, I think he's C-level, he's C-level guy. Um, he's the guy who invented or who brought Pokemon to America. His name's Alfred Kahn. He's the one who actually like made Pokemon, Pokemon. Pokemon was a thing in Japan. He came in, saw the potential, brought it out to the rest of the world. Um, what, what's that's the why ticker I love on this team. again? Uh, OMI, OMI. OMI, okay, good. Yeah, that's why there's oh, so yes. many names. I did like, look at this. You sent me this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I mean like, they're all over TikTok. Like my normie friends know them without even knowing they were like a, they had a crypto token. Like like mm-hmm. they're very uh, well established. Uh, I think at one point they're on pace for like two billion in revenue. Like they 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 were like collected revenue leading up to on a twelve month period. I don't know Can what you... revenue they're at now. I haven't seen the stats in a while. Oh, um, you know what's an interesting one? Sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, Celestia. Oh. Yeah, I've been hearing about that. Too many people talk about it. I like I know data availability is a big thing, and maybe I'm just totally mid-curving it, but when I see a bunch of people on CT talking about something, I it like turns me off. Well DA is like the main That's I'm pretty sure DA is like the main scaling issue, right? Isn't that why Celestia it's is one of them? Yeah. Assessment? The the one of the questions, like I think we talked about this on the podcast when we talked about Cosmos like a month ago, is where's the value capture? Because we were talking about like Atom token always being a piece of shit and like celestia like is there is the value capture at the settlement layer at the data availability layer like that kind of is still up in the air in my opinion but yeah. there's definitely an argument to be made that it could be at the the, the data availability layer and that would be the bullish case for celestia right yeah that's also the bearish case for avax yeah oh and like <laughs> cosmos and like lots of fucking of these tokens right like, like you just don't really need that much of them um so yeah um nfts like you mentioned looks I, what okay so what are the big ones you got looks you got jpeg you've got um, xmon which just launched with pseudo swap i mean that thing's like a 10 i know i know that it's like very kind of ct insider pumped that is very fair but i think the tech is actually pretty sick i i gotta i gotta defend it and it's like a 10 mil market cap i, mean, I wouldn't buy it now but Listen, if NFTs are going to have another big run, you don't think that people are going to want like an actual like market making for NFTs instead of it being totally fucking illiquid. Like they provide a real legit sick thing. Um, so that's one that I would look at for NFT exposure if I was trying to get something like that. The left curve, uh, left curve thing for me on the NFT sector is that, oh, NFTs are probably going to be the thing that majority of people are going to be using x cycle and for the foreseeable future yeah. i mean how many i mean realistically nfts are going to be how much i mean i mean majority of people that came in this cycle are probably for, was probably from nfts not like most people don't give a shit about DeFi. yeah um, i yeah, think i mean there's a whole mm-hmm. go ahead. no go ahead go ahead i was gonna say there's a whole side of crypto like there's a, there's a whole side of nft crypt of nft world that just doesn't know about crypto at all like it's, it's astonishing yeah. to me but these don't no i mean no adrian can care. speak to that right like adrian knows the nft in solana space i think better than most of us and it's like it's its own world man i mean there's billions of people yeah. that were onboarded onto solana through nfts that have never even used eth which is kind of fucking crazy to think about yeah i mean like i, I think that um like when you think like tiktok 
TikTok was a mm-hmm. big player that was like really on CT and or within our group. That wasn't something we ever talked about. But apparently Wait. TikTok was like a big marketing oh, campaign. Huge for NFTs. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and YouTube Solana, too. Yeah. Cr- uh, Kraken just released something about a month ago saying that um, Solana has the greatest number of wallets that have been opened in this like quarter or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So they're onboarding they more, a ton of people. They have more wallets open right now than Ethereum and Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's really because of like the boom with the NFTs. I mean, like, here's the thing. I like Ethereum. I think that there's a lot of value with Ethereum NFTs. But then again, if you have a new user, think about it. If you went to the store to buy milk and all of, these, all of a sudden the transaction costs you $15, you're going to be like, no, nah, I don't want to buy that. 15 Whereas you have... I wish. I'm just saying, like, uh, for gas fees or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yo, I know. I mean, Fuck yeah. Just, I mean, you got to remember from a normie perspective, it's like, what's the fun in that? No, I mean, there is dude, no fun in that. most normies, <laughs> if you're like, yo, you should get an NFT, so like, how much should I invest? Like, we're so fucking, like, jaded of like, oh, just throw 10 grand at it. Like, bro, two, yeah, like, normies dude. don't have 10 grand, dude. They have 500 <laughs> bucks. Like, get out of here. Exactly. You know? Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, right now, I yeah. think, like, people are thinking, right now, and us included, too, I think, are thinking NFTs is what the market currently is, where it's, like, a marketplace, you're buying like, a profile picture, like, this in-game thing. The thing I'm thinking about for the NFT sector is more so, okay, like, which chains are going to be able to actually go about handling and minting it via the uh, in-game economy, like, with the in-game economies, with all these items that need to be created, mm-hmm. right? Because ultimately, like gaming is going to be a huge catalyst. And those that NFTs are kind of going hand in hand. Ethereum can't do it right now. Like Ethereum engine cannot mean, do that. If, if we're looking at it from like GameStop, like or GameStop, real quick, like GameStop uses Loopring. So I mean, this is where I don't. I'm not too familiar with Loopring. Uh, I'm guessing it's not. It's kind of an EVM as of now. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm not too sure familiar. But yeah, if you go to the GameStop, you open up a wallet. You could either have Ethereum on Loopring or just like regular Ethereum. So they have a GameStop wallet. So we're thinking about what's going to be able to support the in-game kind of purchases and stuff like that. I'm thinking that Loopring is going to be a pretty good contender there. So what I was going to say, Mike, real quick, let me go for a sec, Fergie. Uh, before before you mentioned that was the same exact thing. I think the biggest NFT market next time is going to be in-game items for games that become on-chain. Because I think that... There's and even honestly, we were validated, Mike, by John Wu on the Aztec podcast. I asked him, I was like, "Yo, what do you think is the DAP that will like has the best chance of bringing a ton of people?" And he was like, "Oh, gaming for sure." He says he thinks that like gaming will be the next big thing to onboard people into crypto, and and I think that in-game items like imagine like Fortnite is like the obvious like comparison that people always use. It's like imagine if all those skins, all the stuff that people buy in game, which I think Fortnite does like four billion revenue annually uh on like commerce in their game which is pretty nuts uh if that's all nfts like that's what i think the big one is gonna be next cycle i totally yeah. agree and yeah, another part of that too. On, oh, go on. So, i was gonna say this is a quick little fun fact i saw some i saw a crazy stat on fortnite where it was like if you took their like transaction volumes and so gdp for those who don't know is uh velocity of money times um amount of money amount of value transacted um and so if you took 
if you did that calculation for Fortnite, it'd be like a top 80 economy in the world or some shit. Like it'd have a yeah. bigger GDP than like, you know, Sri Lanka and like a bunch of Caribbean nations and stuff like. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. I did, I, I, did, I did not see that. But yeah, I mean, no, I mean, they did like four billion dollars last year. Like That's insane. Just on skins and shit in a game, you know, and imagine if that's all on chain and then all this shit's interoperable between games and stuff. Like imagine if like the big one would be like, I know Valve is anti fucking crypto, but whatever. Someone will build a new Valve. Imagine Steam, but on chain and like all of that is now all on chain. That's what's going to happen. And you could have a hundred billion dollar. Yeah, exactly. I think the hard part is, don't you think that like, so the hard thing is it's going to be something that they'll all gatekeep as long as they can. Because as soon as you open it up to an NFT marketplace, then you're not a single-sided seller, right? Right now they have monopolistic, like, uh, ownership of these fucking in-game um marketplaces but as soon as you start to open it up to -to peer-to-peer shit then like you know suddenly they're not earning every single time somebody wants x skin because those skins are circulating around can i tell you why they're wrong and and why no he's he's 100% right no i've pushed back on that point hold on Hash is right in that they think that way. What I'm saying is the gaming companies are wrong, and we've already seen this play out. I saw this firsthand with CSGO skins when I used to play CSGO. Valve did not have their own like third-party marketplace, or they did, but it was like really, really shitty, and like it wasn't easy at all to use for skins. And then once you had all these markets where you could use your skins to gamble and to fucking sell between each other and all this peer-to-peer shit on third-party platforms, all of this value of the skins in CSGO, literally like 100x'd. And all the amount of money that Valve was printing from selling all the like new skins that were coming out was way, way, way more before than they when they didn't have like an open system, basically. And I think the same exact thing is going to happen. Like I think if Fortnite had an open marketplace, they could do forty billion a year instead of four four billion a year. Well, yeah, I mean, of course it's going. I think it's of course going to be open marketplace. But here's here's where I'm going to make the distinction. So like, let's say. Let's say you have a video game like Skyrim, right? Not Skyrim. Okay, World of Warcraft. You guys know World of Warcraft. Like, most, like, let's say all the items are NFTs. All the items are going to be traded in-game, and that's probably going to be on their own in-game marketplace. That's probably going to be how 99.9% of users are going to transact with NFTs in the video right, game. Right. And you're probably going to have, like, the, you know, 5 10% that are crypto degens and bring it over to open scene stuff. But I think the vast majority are never going to leave the video game. Most gamers, sorry, most gamers have no interest in NFTs. Though. They hate, they hate the word. They right now, it. but, but, but that'll change. The, yeah. the, that monolithic nature doesn't mean that they won't report to a given chain. Right. So it, yeah, it, I, agree. I don't know if it'll be a direct value translation though, which I think is a really good point. Right. Cause it's like, we don't necessarily know that we're going to have an opportunity to invest in whatever the fucking NFT, like gaming God marketplace ends up being right. Because it might just be some in-house shit that fucking 10 cents spins up and they're like, Hey, like you should have bought fucking 10 cents stock. 
You know what I mean? No. Like, yeah, that's, I think that's it's gonna fair. be all on the L one. I, I I think I don't think you're gonna get NFTs unless it's on the L one. For real, for real. I, well, I they'll think... trap it away, right? It's kind of like what Polygon's doing. That's why they're yes. interesting. And that's yes. that's that's kind of the point I wanted to bring up earlier was a point to think about which chain is gonna ultimately become like and it could be multiple, but take majority market share on the NFTs is um being able to abstract that away and have the user base to do it. That's why yeah. Polygon's very interesting with like Facebook and Meta. Yeah. Or yeah, Polygon has Instagram. their Facebook and then they so. have the head of gaming from YouTube is, is now working Polygon. Like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. I, I, I think the abstraction, 100%, I don't think people will even know that they're fucking using a blockchain. Like, that's Correct. the ultimate thing. They won't know and that they're using NFTs. And that's the goal, I think, actually. Yeah. Is that you yeah. want people to be using it without even knowing that they're using it. Because I mean, you guys now that... You guys saw the Nike thing this week, right? Yeah, on the yeah, on the point it. of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. People, yeah, what I, is I, it? Swoosh.Nike? Is that what the URL was? If people yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. So. yeah go I'm to curious what Nike. they're gonna do because it looks like they're supporting Stacks, which was interesting to me. Oh, is it Stacks really? Yeah. So when they first uploaded it, someone did like a you can like inspect element and you can like see like the HTML. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. And they had like a Stacks integrator in there. Let me see if I can do that. Hold on. No, they, they disabled it. They disabled oh, they did. It. Oh, damn. Yeah, that's why I said when they first when they first, yeah, first uploaded, they didn't have it. Yeah, screenshot from the tweet or whatever. Uh, like, if you they have like proof. Yeah, I'm gonna have to find that shit. I think someone likes somewhere. One second. I like well, that shit though. Um, cool. Yeah, I I think that uh, what were what were we saying right just before the Nike thing? Um. Oh, I was going to say, I think the other thing, too, is like, like, just because incumbents don't want a new technology to happen doesn't mean that it won't. Right. That's like the history of fucking technology companies, even the gaming industry itself. Look at like over the last 10 years, how much it's changed. It used to be like you buy your $60 game and you play it at home and that's it. And now, like the biggest games in the world are all free to play. Right, Call of Duty has become free to play when it used to cost money. Fortnite's free to play. They make all their money off like in-game items and DLC and stuff, right? So like, the gaming companies will pivot if they have to pivot, right? And I think I, that they will basically. Well, I don't even think it's like a thing that they have to pivot. It's more like a thing of oh, like we could make a ton of fees off of all having a marketplace on all our skins, and we could still sell the same amount of skins, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ability to calling it the ability for users to resell things increases the value of them, obviously. And then if they can get a fee on all of the resell, I mean, look how much money OpenSea was making, right? OpenSea was making like five million dollars a day at the peak, right? That's what you're you're saying. Royalties. Yeah. We need a Fortnite reflection token. Yeah, exactly. Um, Ohm Fort. With a sales tax. Ohm Ohm Fort. Oh, no. Fort. Adrian. Oh, no. Yeah, we just buy Fortnite skins. (laughs) Wait, bullish, dude. Bullish. While we're on Ohm, I have a question for you guys. I'm sorry, Aid. I'm sorry. Um, Do you guys think Ohm's, like, liquidity, pro-call Ohm liquidity was actually a beneficial ad, or were you guys thinking it was just a marketing gimmick? This is going to take forever, so before we move on... I won't NFTs, comment, because you guys know my opinion. <laughs> real real quick, on Beneficial, NFTs, yeah. um, and the last point, like, I was mostly... I, I agree with everything and echo your guys' sentiment, 
I was mostly ma- taking that position as like a devil's advocate play of like, hey, they could you know really uh, just keep the keep the wall up and yeah. and make it internalized whether or not they they outsource their actual reporting to a chain like doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be a token or any type of like play for us to make speculatively on on their marketplace mm-hmm. anyhow oh, like, we I, I, I would say oh. one final thing on that too is that if anyone who's like work with big corporations knows all it takes is one everyone's just waiting like activision's yeah, totally. looking over at fucking ubisoft and everybody's looking at each other like who's gonna make do it first and then yeah, once like, one does it, saw it everyone does <laughs> yeah it, right so before i love nfts uh magic eden is gonna start doing ethereum nfts and we had already kind of gotten, you know, some information about AVEX maybe. So Magic they are. is I one think of that's those that, too. Yeah. I think they're doing Yeah. It. So it's one of those things where uh, if that There's no fucking Magic Eden token, Adrian. Token, well, that's where <laughs> you I'm have talking, some that's insider info? No, I don't. I don't, man. I don't, you know, stop it. Maybe. You heard it here first. Guy, man. Man. He don't know you heard it here. They got tickets. <laughs> Think about how many users the phone is gonna bring with the Solana, like <laughs> phone, Solana phone. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm gonna get one. Like, did you pre-order your phone yet, Adrian? Yeah. Yes, dude. I'm a Solana Maxi already. Okay. You know that. Is it? How so, much are they to pre-order? They're a thousand bucks. It's a. It was a hundred. It was a hundred. It's gonna be a oh, thousand. Oh, pre-order, but the whole thing. But is thousand dollars. Yeah, a hundred bucks to pre-order. Yeah. So you want an iPhone do, or you like, want the new soul phone? You choose, buddy. Well, well here's the thing. We, we've talked about this amongst ourselves. The thing that we always wish we could do everything is from the phone. And if they're making all the, you know, whatever Web3 means, I don't even know what that means, to be honest with you. If you could do a bunch of Web3 on your phone, that's Nobody kinda, knows like, what it means, cool. Adrian. Well, it's right. It could be Web4, 5, gets six, the people I don't give a shit. Them. So well, like, maybe the Android, the Polygon's yeah. Apple iPhone. Wow, Mike throwing fucking so, haymakers. So it, okay. So well, no, no, what it Wait. is is like no. What, but anybody who's trying to do any, any integration with a mobile is going to be winning, and Polygon too. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not I agree. Yeah, yeah, I just don't know. But who the thing is, Solana, Solana wants a standalone phone. Polygon wants to integrate. So yeah. you know whatever. But then you're going to find out. I bet you that Solana. Whoa, Solana phone is going to have. Some integration. You know what? I won't shit on anyone for trying ambitious shit. So credit to someone for trying it. Real quick. Because hasn't the phone thing didn't Trezor somebody try to make a phone? Because they were like Trezor, bro. Trezor is for people who can't afford ledgers. Come on. Or like Ubay or somebody. But But my point being that like if the Solana phone has like ledger integration. And, like, I can put not just Solana on there. Like, if I can have, like, my ledger be my phone and it's, like, got, you know, some level of encryption that they pen test for X amount of time. Like, honestly, there's probably somebody with a better track record of keeping shit up running and secure than Solana to launch a phone. Um, you know, that's <laughs> actually really but, interesting. But, but, but you, got, you got to remember, though, like, Anatoly, that's his background is in... Just communication, well, telecommunication. No, no, I, and, and mostly that was just a dig at their network uptime. But the point that right, I'm making yeah. is that, like, it could, and 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 the funny, like, it's fun to bash on Solana, but Solana's got the same thing that Cardano has, which is like 
<laughs> you know, they might have seen no. Hey, they yeah, bro, that's a fucking insult to Solana. Let me finish. 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 Oh, Can you a tell he's bullish? Of... <laughs> yeah. That's wait. Funny no. Listen, I'm bullish. All three of the things that we just mentioned: Solana, Eve, no, and Cardano. And the reason know, being for Cardano and Solana is because they cater to a, a crowd, right? And that crowd is the crowd that isn't already here, right? And that's why, like, I, I, you know, Cardano gets a lot of hate. I'm a buyer of Cardano under 20 cents. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Yeah, but you're a They're buyer be... because you think it'll pump, not because you think it'll be, like, a dominant chain one day. I think Solana can be a dominant chain one day. I think the that's same with Cardano, yeah, too. But David, I, that's see, I thought you were going to make a tech like... comparison. I thought you were going to make a tech comparison. You got to remember this, though, okay? You're a top 10 market coin. You could even say make the argument about XRP. They have a lot of money to do stuff. Though when you have yeah. money, you have the ability to explore and hire people yeah. to be able to totally. co- create cool shit. So you got to just look at it like this. Everything revolves around money. <laughs> you could just interchange the name Solana and XRP and, oh, well, they both have a lot of money. They could build the cool shit. And you got to look at it from that point of view. One right. very important thing that a lot of people did not realize with the Solana phone that I will say is actually like very fucking smart from them. It, they didn't build the phone themselves, the hardware. The hardware, they acquired a company called Essential, who this company was already building a privacy-focused smartphone, and they basically were getting ready to launch, and then uh, it's going to be the Solana phone. And I, because I saw when they announced it, of course, there were a bunch of people who were like really into this phone that like were really upset because they're like, wait a minute, this is a crypto thing now? Like, what the fuck is this? But anyways, besides that point, that's that's really smart. They yeah, yeah, they got right. they got Remember right. when all those furries got mad? It's yeah, like the dude. same thing. Yeah, sucks to suck. Let's move anyway, on. Let's move back on. to Frank's <laughs> question. That was the home question? <laughs> yeah. All the way back. I'll leave it to you guys because you know my opinion on home. I'll give, I'll give my five cents or two cents at the end. You guys go. Yeah. What do you think, Frankie? I mean, my opinion is like POL. I mean, it's obviously Real quick, some protocol. Protocol and liquidity. Two seconds for people who don't know what that means. Just even. no, because people don't know what POL <laughs> no, no, means, let, guys. Come on. No, you're good, you're good, Two seconds. No opinion. Protocol and liquidity is basically that uh, they created a bonding mechanism, or instead of just <laughs> buying a token, you de- you buy LP tokens. So you have to deposit 50-50 or something else, like Ether or a stablecoin, whatever, and then you use the LP token to acquire OM at a discounted price. There you go. That's and then basically then, then your now money's gone and then Ohm you get to help the all liquidity. these protocols. Right? Yes, Ohm owns the liquidity in that case. They only own the tokens. Oh That's God. what that means. Social, all right, continue. Your, your, yeah. your social capital just like capital just went up. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> all right, wait. Let, let me let me give my case because I brought it up because I I, I I want to put this perspective on the conversation. Um, I, I'm bo- I'm bearish protocol on liquidity as as a as a singular business model. However, I am bullish on it as a tokenomic model if done correctly. I think where Ohm went wrong is that one, they continued doing, they continued purchasing liquidity past the point it was useful at all and they were just burning capital for no reason. Two, they had stupid high yields and the inflated the fuck out of tokens. Um, I think, I think protocols should look at it from that perspective 
and use it to acquire liquidity on DEXs if they are looking to be a large part of, of the DeFi ecosystem. Because a lot of, I don't know if you guys remember back in like March, but a lot of projects died back in March because they couldn't get any sticky liquidity. All they, all they, all they were doing was, you know, liquidity mining programs. Once that ran out, people left. So I think if you had some sort of, you know, mechanism where you are buying and selling LP tokens, I think that could be very useful for a protocol. I'm going to leave it at that. <clears throat> Can I put uh, one? Please. It, it, when I met Frankie, it was like at a fucking dinner where like we didn't know that we were in the same industry. I don't think beforehand. But I remember being like, yo, show me like your top things that I should look into right now. <laughs> And I remember you said ohm and quant. And I was like, alright, word. And it was like right when Chase when uh Chase was like shilling me quant too, and I was like, Oh these dudes are pretty like bright and like <laughs> maybe this shit's sick and like I'm just gonna fucking ape and like take their word for it. And we won't talk about where the price was on either of those things at that point. But I do, I do think that it was funny because I just remembered earlier today when I was talking to David before this little show about Ohm, um, or maybe it was Mike. I can't remember who it was. But I was like, oh, yeah, when I fucking first met Frankie, he, like, fully, like, was bricked about Ohm. Like, <laughs> jacked to nah, the nah, 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 nah. <laughs> No, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> All right. So here's what I gave you Ohm because I liked Ohm enough as a play, but I also didn't want to give you any alpha because I didn't know you yet. <laughs> Ohm, Ohm was like, I don't think Ohm ever made it past like half a percent of my portfolio. I will say that. Damn, and I'm sorry for giving you that. I'm sorry for giving you that. That's cold as hell. You're like, yeah, hey, stranger. <laughs> he, he uses was, actual equity. Oh, that, that's what he's trying to say. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like this guy's <laughs> my fucking bags at the top. <laughs> Whoa! I would never it's use my friend's equity. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. No, hey, listen. I, I got used his actual equity on Quant. I'll say that much. Keep going. Yeah. Hey, I want to say I wrote it down like fifty percent with you guys. So I, I, I'm, 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 I took the, I took the L on that. Yeah, but at least the difference was you wrote it back down fifty percent after you were up whatever. I just wrote it down fifty percent. No up. Same. I think I bought Quant at like three hundred and ten dollars. Yeah. Like it's literally yeah. like basically. I think I added at like two hundred or something, and then at one fifty, yeah. I was like, "Fuck Stay. this fucking thing, I'm out." That's exactly <laughs> what I did. Shout out Chase Cool. Thank yeah. you, sir. Yeah. I, I added 200, hoping for a bounce, and then we got a baby bounce. Went straight to 150, and I just I sold one from like 180, 150. It was very, it was very hard that's, for me to sell. That that's very, very beautiful. I know. Even oh, even like yesterday, you're like, guys, are you paying attention to the quant chart? I'm like, no, dog, I'm yeah. not paying attention to the quant chart. <laughs> you're the only one paying attention to the quant chart. <laughs> Yeah, you and Chase, too. Chase, Chase and me were in Discord, and he hopped in. That's why I had like ten quad charts open. <laughs> no, quad's my man. I'm sorry. Like that, that's that's my first round. I've always loved quad. Yeah, that's your that's your 
That's your fucking, uh, that's your bag, right? Yeah, hey, it was. Hey, hey, Quant looked bullish, dude. I, I'll say it. Yeah, it, it looked bullish to me. All right. Dude, he All was right. Right. Oh, oh, I don't it up this morning. Oh, let's, 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 my opinion on Ohm. Sorry. Yes. Ohm, I think Ohm's great. I made so much money on Ohm Forks. I want him back. I don't care if it's good or bad as like an actual DeFi use case. I just want to like summon the pump. And I think that like Ohm Forks definitely summon the pump. Um, so that's kind of my opinion. I don't really like, I think that like protocol and liquidity is like a sick idea. Um, I think it's up to somebody to make it work and make it make sense. But like, <clears throat> I don't know. I just have a, a special right. affinity for Ohm Forks because I'm going to give my 30 seconds on all and then we're going to move on. Thirty seconds and I've had like yeah, let's wrap it up. This I've had like six months of reflection on Ohm. Okay, okay. so I've, I'm very well emotionally detached from Ohm. I was very early, okay. I got it like June last year, and I never sold. Protocol and liquidity, very good. I think the biggest compliment I could give to Ohm is that they are on pretty much always the cutting edge of tokenomic like uh, experimentation. They're like right now they invented protocol and liquidity. Don't give me any noises. Let me go. They invented protocol and liquidity. They uh, are doing this very interesting like buy wall thing right now. Mm, okay. With uh, with like concentrated liquidity on Univ3, blah, 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 blah. And like they're trying to actually create like their own uh, like – like basically like crypto fed. Like it's extremely Wait, fucking ambitious. Wait, can I ask you obviously. one question? Yeah, go ahead. This is, is this is not I probably will never buy it again, but I was just saying it, as go ahead. Is this concentrated liquidity in the room with you now? Yeah, it's right here, dude. <laughs> it's right here. Hey, you know what? You know what? I wasn't gonna do this, but I just want to say go look at the fucking go look at the geome chart, okay, baby? This thing's fucking grinding up. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to. All right. It hasn't no, gone down David. in like two months, bro. Yeah. It's been up for like two months. Oh god, the coast. I think Cosgrades would be great in the bull market. This, that would that would be the new Elm Yeah. You're, I mean, no, but in all seriousness, custard hands is that's custard hands. You can't read really seriousness. Your bag. In all seriousness, I agree <laughs> with Frankie. I think that uh, we clearly need more tokenomic models than just stupid farm tokens that everyone dumps. Right. That's why Ohm was invented in the first place. And will Ohm be like around next cycle? I don't know. But will the tokenomics, uh, will some parts of the tokenomics of Ohm be around next cycle? Yes, I do believe so. That is my thoughts on them. Yeah, I think we can all agree with that. It was a really good Ponzi. So somebody's going to re-implement it, right? If you actually connect it to something with value, like the problem is the product of Ohm was the tokenomics but if you like attach that to something where there's like a base layer of value i think it'd be very interesting um, but they didn't so it was a scam we'll see it at some point <laughs> well it's because if your goal is like to be the fucking federal reserve of like DeFi, there is no product right the product is the tokenomics now nah, again will they be around in four years i don't fucking know we'll see what was the whole thing with peom did they make a lot of money off of that with who peom no, no, that was like a thing in the beginning, and that was a bunch of fun. No, they they fixed it in a in a DAO vote. Oh, they Anyways. fixed it, but it was a thing. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, 
it's a great feature and not a great product i mean i don't know yeah i don't know right. I, no i just up. think i just think up. that like tokenomic innovation is really fucking cool i'm always into that they were one of the biggest ones of the last cycle i think we'll see a lot more next cycle um Get it. All right, final plugs. We just uploaded with uh, Citus Protocol, real estate on chain, but actually legit, not a scam. Scarlet, what was her last name? Chen, I think. Super fucking smart. PhD economics in Stanford. Brilliant. She talked like a machine gun. Uh, and then we have Aztec coming up as well. And uh, chart chat, newsletter, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. You guys know. Just go to the description. We're having Gains Network on next week. They are leverage trading on Polygon. That's pretty much it. Thanks so much for listening, guys. See ya.